we were going to church this morning, my wife said, oh, I forgot my notebook where I, she keeps notes. And I said, that, that's okay. This, this message isn't for you at all. And, uh, which then, which then got me her frustrated. She said, oh, I know your sarcasm. And after, after our first message, first service, she goes, this is for everybody, James. It wasn't just for me. So, um, if, if I'm going to talk about a life of contentment. And how many say, okay, I understand now, right? Proverbs 4, 7 says, wisdom is what? Therefore, get wisdom, though it costs all you have, get understanding. I want to just recap the four types of people there are. There's the fool who knows better but does it anyway. They just don't care. Then there's the simple that doesn't know, doesn't has had the experience. They just don't know. They're not aware. They don't have discipleship. And and maybe there's some in here you're simple. You just got saved. You just don't know. And no one's willing to disciple. And you need disciples, right? And then there's the mocker. They know they don't care, and they're haters. They just want to just want to create problems. They want to attack people who know, know better and are doing better. And then there's the wise. And the question was, as we went through the series, which one am I? Which one am I acting like? Which one am I acting out? Am I wise? And the goal was to be wise. Now, how many said I've gotten a little wiser, right, as we've gone through this? Um, but we all can have wisdom. The Bible says that the beginning of wisdom is, wisdom isn't the fear of God. It's the beginning of wisdom. And so if we want wisdom, we have to first recognize that all wisdom comes from God. It doesn't come from your pastor. doesn't come from your neighbor, your friend, your discipler, mentor professor it doesn't come with you cannot get wisdom from people thank you for that wisdom you didn't get wisdom you got knowledge all wisdom comes from God the the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord it's not ah it's revering and honoring the fact that wisdom flows from God. So if a person somehow said something that was a piece of wisdom for you, it didn't come from that person. It came from who? God. Just because wisdom might flow through people to you means it's, it came from God to you. And so when we recognize that wisdom comes from God, then we can do James chapter one, verse five that says, if you lack wisdom, you should ask God and he gives it to you generously without finding fault so that we we have a promise that we're all going to have wisdom so proverbs 19:23 says this says the fear of the lord leads to life then one rest content untouched by trouble untouched by trouble have you ever met how many know some content people in your life you ever met content people they're great people to be around usually they're not they don't have usually uh, personal agendas they're not strong thriving, but they're thriving. They're, they're just, they're content with whatever happens. Some common um, characteristics of a content person is they live every day to the fullest. They, they, they recognize it's a new day. It's an exciting day. They've never had a bad day. They just kind of look for the good in every day, content with whatever that day is. They roll with the punches and, and they live new every day. They're like, God's mercies are new every day. Content person is, I get, even if I may mistakes yesterday or it fell short or had some issues with character. I'm waking up this morning. How many are glad God's mercy is new this morning? Like God, God loves you even when you're a jerk. 
right? God loves you even when you make mistakes. God like loves you. That's, that's an incredible thing. Every day, no matter how, how bad the day before may have been to walk through, you know, in the morning, like God's mercies are new every day. They keep us every, every single day. But isn't it interesting? Cause we live in this world in the cultural winds of this world. We live in this world where there are certain individuals that are paid to make you discontent. They're called marketing people. <laughs> right? How, anybody in marketing in here? You're so good at your job. Because we're just going along our day, enjoying our day. We have everything we need until, so we sit down to watch a football game and we're watching the football game and then something comes on the screen that tells us you need this thing. And then you convince us that our life just cannot go on until we buy that thing, right? Like my life was content and happy until I saw that. And now until I get that, I'll never have happiness again. And how often does that happen in our life? Never had we have we had more and enjoyed less. We have more stuff. Like we are extremely blessed. 92% of the world does not even own a car. That rust bucket that you drove in this morning or you pushed in this morning, whatever it was, makes you wealthier than 92% of the world. That's why missions trips are so important. Because you get in this closed circuit, this nest that we're in, and we think, we compare ourselves to everyone in this wealthier than wealthy area, and we never really realize how filthy rich we really are. Do you know, how many have two cars? You have two cars. You're richer than 97% of the world. And yet, somehow, we don't think we're blessed. Someone will wake up in the morning and will think, if I just had a little bit more. It's uh, it, What's interesting is my wife and I are now empty nesters, right? And we're thinking how much we miss having the kids around and in the house and all of that. And and last night, we went over to the Hemstroms. They have their own three. They have three boys, and then they have two adopted children, five kids. And, I, and they're all amazing kids. But I was sitting there, and I was watching Forrest. <laughs> That, that dude does not stop. <laughs> you need to pray for Bree. <laughs> I mean, there wasn't a moment where a muscle, like, it, not, there was always a muscle moving in his body. I mean, he's flying around the living room. I mean, that kid was just like all over the place. And I was thinking, and, and they're thinking, won't be nice when we become empty nesters. <laughs> Right? No, they weren't saying that, but you get to that point, it won't be nice when, when the kids are finally and we get a moment's rest and we're like, it's like we're never content where we're at. You look at technology and all of the things that have happened. There are a lot of life will be a lot easier, but it's not any easier. It'd be a lot less stressful. Do you know depression is at an all time high? And yet we have more technology to make our life so much easier. And yet we're stressed out. Don't you remember the day when you made, you had to type on a typewriter? How many remember those days you're old? We thought it was an incredible thing when they invented the button where it corrected the mistake you made on the typewriter with the whiteout strip, right? How many remember, remember that? Cause there was a moment where you had to pull it out and use whiteout 
which was a great invention to fix a mistake so you didn't have to retype the whole page. Right? Now we have phones that they say can do up to 38 functions on your phone. I, I, I am sure they're working on a phone app that will help you toast bread just by turning the screen on. Right? So we won't be stressed. Cameras, calculators, telephones, it, it doesn't seem to make us any happier, though. In fact, the more our phone does, the less happier we are. You look at Amazon, you can have a package in two hours after ordering it. You have self-driving cars, smart TVs, you have Netflix. My wife and I, what's interesting, uh, we were, we were watching, I think, one of the chosen things. And how many, you know, that dreaded daisy wheel comes up, right? You all know what I'm talking about. And I'm complaining about it. And, uh, and then it occurred to me, there was a day, when you used to have to get in your car and drive to a place, now this will surprise some of you in your 20s, to a place that was called a video store, and it wasn't online. There was no, like when you said online, where they were talking like, are you talking skates? <laughs> right? And it was called like Blockbuster or Movie Gallery. How many know it? And you had to walk around the outer circle. That's where all the new releases were. And then all of them, right? And then you had to hope you got there soon enough because it didn't get bought out because they'd have like 30 copies of this thing, right? So you, you'd go and you'd, if you couldn't find it, you'd have to ask the, the pimply, uh, high school kid at the, the, like, where, you all know that's what you're thinking, right? At, at the, where is that? And then you go find it. And, and if you found it, if you didn't, you had to go to movie gallery and, and get it because nobody went there. And then, uh, because you got some, like, you felt like you were getting a disease or something. It was just dirty carpet. And it's just, but <laughs> you all know what I'm talking about, right? And and then, and then you'd go up and then you, you went back and hopefully they, they, you'd put it in, right? And it was a tape, it was like a brick and you stick it in there, right? And, and hopefully the person was in front of you did what they were supposed to do because be kind. That's right. They even made that machine that made it go like longer. It took like five minutes and you're like, oh, I got to rewind it, right? The daisy wheel is not that bad. Next time you get a daisy wheel, just remember it was far worse, right? We have all this stuff now, and every stat says we're less satisfied than we've ever been. We are not happy. And in Christ, I'm not suggesting that you're not happy, but if you're a person of great discontent, you're probably not experiencing happiness. Because happiness really flows out of a contentment. You're content. I mean, it, an example, after Thanksgiving dinner, when you sit down, there's a contentment, <laughs> right? And there's a happiness that flows out of that. In many ways, the things that we believe will create the greatest joy in our life, stuff, often is the catalyst that works against the actual things that give us joy. Our stuff actually robs us from the relationships that God wants us to have. To the point, and, and this really is reality, where we're not even present in the presence of people because we're on our phone with someone else. The number one enemy of contentment is comparison. 
the number one enemy of contentment is comparison. Proverbs 14.30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bone. Envy rots bone. Comparison tries to convince us that what we have is not good enough. Something from the Garden of Eden that started way back in the Garden of Eden, that what you have, Eve, is not enough. You need more. The great promotion marketing person, the very first marketing person in the world was Lucifer himself. And I want to be careful. I'm not saying marketing people are bad. They're doing their job. They're very gifted at creating a need for something that people didn't think they need. I'm not suggesting your job that you're bad or you're evil or you're Satan. <laughs> But Satan had to create in Eve and Adam this need for something they didn't even know they had. Always trying to pull us. Satan is always trying to pull us out of the sense of contentment. You know, you go online and it's interesting because social media is a great um, place for this. But you go online and somebody shows you their new boat, their new house, and they, they got a picture and then they go hashtag blessed. <laughs> Right. And you, you see that and you want to write back hashtag. I'm going to come to your house and burn it down. <laughs> hashtag. It won't be there when you get there. <laughs> you know, it's like, you, you know, you get this. There's this thing of, you know, you're so blessed. You, it's amazing to me because that attitude is really an attitude of the kingdom of the world. It's interesting that people often hedge sharing where they've been blessed, or feel guilty for the blessing. They've worked hard. They've grown. They've, they've been teachable. They've prospered, but feel like they can't share it with anyone or testify of God's goodness in their life because there's other believers out there that attack them for it or don't celebrate it with them, or feel less than, or feel as though they're being gypped out of blessing. Because, And you know, in the kingdom of God, is everyone listening? Because I want you to hear this. When somebody gets a new car, you should celebrate. When someone gets a new home, you should celebrate. It's a time of celebration. When someone gets a promotion, even though you didn't, you should rejoice. That's what we do in the body of Christ. Because God is not, he's not a just going to prosper some. If, if you need something, he'll provide for you. He'll prosper you in that. And this isn't a prosperity gospel. It's the Bible. The Bible says he prospers us in health and he prospers us in, in those things as a blessing, not as something that robs us from contentment, but out of contentment, those blessings become a great blessing in our life. And you're up here way too early. <laughs> She's just playing along with me today. So when you see someone on a cool, isn't it interesting how you can be on this incredible vacation to Florida? And you're having so much fun with your family. And you go online and you see someone in the French Riviera. And then all of a sudden, my life stinks. Because you see something else. You're comparing yourself to, or, or relationships, or, or like your marriage is great until you see someone's fake marriage online. And then you think your marriage is horrible. There are some people who cannot be online. There are some people who should never darken 
a website or an app or ever be on TikTok, Instagram. You shouldn't. Because the moment you've gone, what you thought was great all of a sudden becomes horrible when you compare it. You can't help yourself. And if you can't handle it, you need to get away. Isn't it funny how how we have a terrible problem with addiction to drugs and alcohol, but we have no problem with addictions to the phone? And it's far worse. Because it's far more destructive. Here's number two. Comparisons make life. Comparison makes life about the wrong presumption. When we think what I have is not good enough, it's followed by the thought that if I had what I don't have, then I'd be happy. You know, uh, they did a study 25 on people with $25 million in wealth. What they discovered on average is that each participant said if they would have about a quarter more of what they had, they would feel content and fulfilled. A quarter more. Jim Carrey made this statement. He said, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do what they dreamed of doing so they could discover that it doesn't make them happy. The reality is people have already gone down that path. Wisdom says, learn. Remember last week, be teachable. Learn from the mistakes of others that went down that path and their this insatiable desire for more. Learn from their, their experience that says it does not bring happiness. There's nothing wrong with having $25 million. But if you think that's the source of happiness, there's a problem. Comparison three makes life about the wrong person. We put so much attention on what other people have and who they are with that they are with that we miss out on the things we have and the people we're with. It's, you know, there's this term called FOMO. In 2013, the word was created, which means fear of missing out. This is its definition of pervasive anxiety that we're missing out, that our peers are doing more, know about more, are in possession of more, or something better than us. There is this, this sense that um, even when we're with people, we have our phones there and we're texting other people. You know, one of the things, I, I, I don't know that I would call it an annoyance. I don't, I don't know if it reached that level. But when, when you're with someone, when I'm with someone, I'm with them. So what I tend to do is put my phone upside down. That means screen to the table. So nothing in that phone is going to distract me back because your phone is jealous. Did you know that? It's the best way to describe it. If you aren't giving your phone jealous, if you aren't giving that, they have algorithms that will create notifications to try to pull you back into the phone because it's very jealous. It wants your attention. And contentment is, is sitting there and recognizing I'm content with who I am and I'm going to give them 100% of my, and in this moment, we're going to enjoy each other and I don't need to be with someone else digitally. I can leave it alone. So even leaving your phone in the car, it, it's, 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 it creates, the phone creates this disconnection in us. Now again, the phone has incredible benefits and I'm not making the phone evil. Evil, it's not the phone that's the problem, it's the use of it. 
It's the control it possesses in our life and the discontent it brings. Ecclesiastes says four six is better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls of toil chasing after the wind. Like contentment, there are some things we just don't need to do. If we're striving for something to find happiness, there are some things for people in this room, there's some things where it's time. It's time. It's time. You've been chasing after things and every every monumental place or every moment where you get to where you accomplish that thing and you discover, I thought I'd be happy here, but I'm not happy here. I thought if I got married. Listen, if you're not happy and content before you get married, your marriage is not going to be fun. I feel sorry for the person you're going to marry because you're you're trying to make them be the thing that does that. You, you aren't going to find it in marriage. You bring it into marriage. So what are the secrets to contentment? Paul knew it. He said in Philippians 4, 11 to 13, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty, and I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do it. Now, everybody knows this last verse. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Isn't it interesting that that verse is probably the most, uh, the verse that's taken out of context more than any other verse? Like, it's talking about contentment, that when I'm content, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But we even we think whether I'm content or not, I can do all things who gives me. It's like God says, first, find contentment. Find contentment. And out of that heart of contentment where I'm content, Paul says, whether I have or I don't have, whether I'm in, and he's writing that while he's in a prison cell for something he didn't deserve to be in a prison cell for. He made the decision to do it so he could take the gospel to Caesar. And now he is writing this and he's writing it in that condition. And he says, I'm content in a prison cell next to a stinky guard. Here's the first secret. Realize what you have. Realize all that you have in your life on a bad day. On a bad day, you, you know, your car breaks down, your girlfriend leaves you, your dog dies, your, you know, uh, your house burns down, whatever. It sounds like a country song. Right? In a bad day, there's always a blessing. Have, have you ever thought to do this when you wake up in the morning and you go, good morning, Holy Spirit? It's going to be a good day. Have you ever thought to say, you know what? Thank you that I was able to get out of bed today. Thank you for these legs that still work. Thank you that I have a job to go to. Thank you, Lord, I was able to pay my bills. Thank you, God, for my wife. Thank you, God, for my husband. Thank you, God, that my husband doesn't snore. As you're doing here, thank you, God, that I have hair on my head. Do you, do you, do you, do you realize the number of blessings in our day far outweigh anything we're going to face? But if we start our day complaining, we will never see them. Because we set our course from the first part of the day to see all the negative and terrible things and the things I don't like, rather than saying, today I'm going to set the course to enjoy the blessings of God. And no matter what happens, I'm content. 
I'm content. And the moment we started talking, you know, it's funny because Paul says this, Paul in 1 Timothy says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the worst. But for that very reason, I'm showing mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example of those for who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God be honored in glory forever and ever. What Paul does is he takes a praise break. When you want to complain, he says, I'm going to stop. I need to praise the Lord. Why? Because I'm getting critical because I'm getting a bad attitude. I need to have a praise break. Here's the second secret. Make God the source. Discontentment is about the void in your life. You have to make God the source of it. He says, I am the source to wisdom. I am the source to your contentment. Say, God will provide for everything I need in my life everything. C.S. Lewis says it's an onion peel in reverse. Like literally when we're discontent, it's because there's beliefs we have that need to be changed. And so if you want to be someone who's more content in your life, you have to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the lies you believe by showing you truth. Here's the third secret, and I think it's a big one. Live our life on mission. Live our life on mission. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. Here, here is, we're often discontented with the mission and purpose of our life because it isn't, it, it doesn't have star appeal. Because it's not the missionary. Because it's not the pastor or it's not the, the, the person who teaches. It's not like this big thing. We often discount the importance of, like, we need to be content with the opportunities God's given us because God created us in the womb for a purpose. And when nobody sees us, but we're doing it for the king, it's important. It's a big deal. You know what I've noticed, and, and they've actually studied this. And, and they've actually studied, secular sources have studied this and discovered that among men in America, they, they called it the most dreamless uh, time in history. Where Martin Luther King Jr. said, I have a dream. And very few people in, the, in, in America today have dreams. Some of it they tied back to the use of drugs of which we already knew. You go to Teen Challenge, they tell you that marijuana dampens ambition in people. And video games. You're saying, oh, here you go again, you're going to hammer on video games. Absolutely. Because if it's destroying you, I'm going to say something about it. And if, if ungodly, who knows if they're believers or not, but their secular sources are saying the effects of video games on our men is destroying the ambition of those men. You need to hear about it. You need to know the attempt this Satan is making on people around us. And, and literally, contentment is when we find our purpose and we're fulfilled in the purpose we're doing, whatever it is. So if it's standing out in the parking lot with a sign telling that we're content, if it's washing people's feet, we're content. Whatever it is, I'm content because, because I know God has opened doors for me and I have an opportunity to... And, and it, what's amazing to me is it's, it's like um, there was a, 
When I was five years old, I gave my life to Jesus. Five years old, I gave my life to Jesus. There is a beginner teacher. Her name was Judy Mantic. Can you say thank you, Judy Mantic? You say, I don't even know her. But she played a part in me even being here today. Everything that I see in the ministry that I've ever done will also be accredited to her because she did something when no one was looking for a, a young little uh, preschool class. For someone who created a whole lot of problems with her and with it and knew he was doing it. That was my brother. But <laughs> are, are you, when you work with those little kids, when you're doing the things nobody, and you're content with it because you know that that's what I'm, that's my purpose. Like, even though you may not have a dream, you are God's dream. You are God's dream. And there is a dream that he had when he created you and he made you perfectly for it. In fact, you say, well, I need to change all that. No, God would say, I made you perfect for that dream. Will you walk in it? You say, well, how do I know what it is? You know what it is by asking. God will never make it so difficult you'll miss what he wants to do in your life. He's just waiting for you to seek even a little bit and you'll discover it. He's not trying to hide it from you. Here's the last piece of wisdom. Contentment fills me with life and fortifies me with circ from circumstances. When I'm content, when things aren't great, it's all good. When things are wonderful, it's all good. When things are going the way I want them to do it, go, they're incredible. And when they're not going the way I want them to, they're incredible. Why? Because I'll find joy in whatever it is because I'm, I have an attitude of looking jo for joy and I'll have an attitude. But you know what? When things are going wonderful or bad and you don't have an attitude of joy, when things are going wonderful, you won't either. When things are going better than they should be, listen, when things are going better than they should be, you'll look for the reasons why you shouldn't be happy. It's an attitude. And it's an attitude that in the kingdom of the world, they're always looking for, they're always the victim. Everything is always bad. But in the kingdom of God, we're peculiar people because when the world thinks things are going bad, we rejoice. And when things are going good, we rejoice. And they think, why do you rejoice all the time? Because I'm content.